Well, good morning, everybody. We're we're recording this the morning after the night before, the night before being up in Yorkshire, where it finished at the Huddersfield Town Stadium. Can't even remember what it's called now. Huddersfield nil, City nil. Um, Joining me are Tom, not Junior Tom, but Tom, who works uh, with me here at Potier Towers. And uh, Ian, as always, uh, it's been snowing, but I'm pleased to report that it's uh, clearing up. Tom should be playing tonight, but he's just sent me a picture of his football pitch and uh, it looks uh, very uh, snowy and I don't think they'll have the brushes on that. But uh, Ian, come to you first of all. What what, what were your sort of summary thoughts coming away from that game last night? My summary thoughts were that it was a, a wasted opportunity to pick up another two points. Okay, an, an away point you could say is never a disaster and it wasn't a disaster. I would call it a six out of 10 performance and a five out of 10 result. The positives for me, for me that yes, we got a point. It was a clean sheet. I thought Matty James was good. I thought Scott was uh, decent in the first half, not so good in the second, again. And Sykes and Tanner were effective on the right flank. The negatives for me were that we need greater composure and better delivery in the final third. That's been the same for the last five, six games. We don't hold the ball well up front because we still play too much in the air towards very small forwards. Um, James's possible injury that Pearson alluded to after the game. Uh, our shooting from outside the box is, well, I won't say it's non-existent, but it really is appalling. Uh, which is why we haven't scored from outside the box all season. Okay. We we keep trying to walk the ball in. Um, and, and and some of that is because we've got no physical presence in the final third and we're struggling for physical presence throughout the team. Um, the other big negative for me is we can continue to have no goals in open play for the last 450 minutes. And, and yeah. that's a worry. And Pearson also alluded to that after the game. So yeah. I'm not, I'm not, disagreeing with anything Nigel Pearson said. I might disagree with what he sees as being the solution, particularly against bottom clubs. All right. Well, we're talking about the Blackpool game, which is an excellent up. Tom, what did uh, you think? I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was a cold and uh, I don't know if it was raining out there last night, but uh, did you think uh, overall looking at the game, it was two points lost? Um, uh, I feel like you have to look at it um, from Two, two sets of views. I think if we have a fully fit squad, um, I feel like we win that game. We have Conway potentially to bring on uh, where more source of goals. I think he might be our second or third joint top goal scorer. Um, we're missing Atkinson, who's uh, maybe from corners could have got a few goals. I think he's maybe have four this season. I just at the moment, like Ian said, we're missing goals. I think it's one goal in the last movie played six. The other two, Naki Wells penalties. We just we didn't look dangerous enough. I know we missed chance from Sam Bell and uh, King. I think Ian said earlier he was actually offside. But yeah, we just didn't look threatening enough at the moment to really push on. And Ian had a few good points. I don't think it's all doom and gloom, but at the same time, he has a point picked up. But against the bottom of the table, you should probably be getting. Three points, but in years gone by, Warnock seems to get the better of us. And 
maybe it is a point pick. Yeah. No, that's good. In fact, yeah, and he's, that was a typical he's, – he's managed to drum into them that horrible, nasty little bit of uh, niggling that they do, 13 fouls against our four. Maybe that shows that we're uh, a little bit too nice. Uh, Ian, the, the squad is rocked by uh, injury, um, but I know you said pre-game when you saw the team announced it was a little bit overcautious playing with two holding midfielders in uh, King and James when – well, you thought they might have been a bit bolder than that. Just say what you mean in that respect. Yeah, I'd have made a slight tweak in the formation, and it is a slight tweak. Instead of playing two holding midfield players, you play one holding midfield player in Matty James and an extra striker. So the formation is basically 4-1-3-2. Now, that's a formation we use very effectively against Birmingham at home. Um, and it gives the, 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 the lone striker a point. A, a, a point of contact that's close to him. Because if you're not holding the ball up, midfield's never going to catch up with you. And it gives you width in, in the fact I'd have started Sykes and Mahmeti. Um And you, you'd have two strikers on the field. So when the ball comes in the box, you've got two strikers, not one, potentially getting on the end of it. And, and I think when you haven't scored in open play, if you look at the whole game, for example, first 20, 25 minutes, we were probably as good going forward as we've been in in most games, in, in our best games this season. We didn't score. Mm. Now, that's not an accident. That's because we haven't got that, that presence in the box. Um, and the quality of the crossing is invariably reasonably poor. Um, so... I'm, I'm talking, you know, people were talking, uh, commenting last night on Twitter. They, oh, well, people are wanting to rip it up and start again. I mean, I think making one positional change against a side that's conceded the second most goals in the division. And by the way, we're playing the team that is joint second highest goals conceded in the division on Saturday. Um, yeah. you, you need to get on the front foot and you need to get them a couple of goals down and then you can think about well do we need to make any changes do we need to take a striker yeah. off and close the game out by putting a holding midfield player on what do we need to do you might want to go yeah. on and get three up or four up but if you're not getting those goals early on the game becomes a difficult watch and in the same way as we we could have conceded against Hull um I think they're their big lad that came on hit the bar we could have, I mean, Weinman cleared one off the line last night and Max made a good save with his legs because the ball came through Zach Viner's legs and I think yeah. might have even taken a slight deflection. So Max kept that out. But we could have lost that game last night. We didn't deserve oh, we to lose it. Yeah, we could we get into the individual yeah. bits of uh, action in a second. Well, uh, well, Tom, not about uh, individual bits of action. The overall point I want to quickly make is it seems, once again, that the more possession we have, we had 65% last night. The more possession we have, the worse we are. And that shows a lack of creativity and ideas. Okay, that's interesting. Tom, Ian says uh, lack of creativity and ideas, yet we've got a player in the team, Alex Scott, who is worth, let's say, 20 million. Some people would say, oh, no, it's 25. And then we started two very experienced midfielders that you know... King's not going to last 90 minutes, but he did okay. 
But that creativity in the middle, do you think we should be expecting more of Alex Scott and imposing himself against what was a pretty crap Huddersfield side, I thought? Um, it's, it's a hard one, Scott, because he has all the potential to, to really go on. And I think if you put him in a top half Premier League team with a lot of good players around him, he wouldn't look out of place. But I think some players like Mameti, when he plays with him, brings out the best of him. Um, Matty James allows him to be that creative spark for us. But maybe with Andy King and Matty James, it doesn't quite work. Um, Williams seems to, him, the three in the middle where you've got uh, James and Williams behind him, he does play a bit better. So maybe the change slightly didn't work for him. But against a lower team like Huddersfield, maybe you would expect a bit more, but the whole team you would want more from. Yeah. Um, I think Ian was saying the goal, not getting goals and goals change games. If that chance from Bell goes in, we go 1 0 up. I think we go on to win that comfortably. Yeah. Uh, I, we don't have goals in the team at the moment. And we don't have the biggest squad through injuries. And uh, is that Pearson not wanting to go into the lane market or what he likes working with the smaller squad? Is that in the championship? Option's choice at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Is, I, oh. Just saying, with games that we have in championship they come saturday tuesday saturday wednesday yeah. i don't think a small squad works no i think you need a bigger bigger squad saying that we don't have experience but you know we were able to bring off the bench in the closing stages of the game uh well mametti came on 64 conway 64 minutes vyman 77 that's a decent bit of experience on the on the bench but other than that it was a little bit uh threadbare let's get into uh, the action uh Ian, we had claims for a penalty early on. Did you think it was one when the bloke, well, I thought he clearly pushed Sykes in the back. Yeah, what did you think? Yeah, Stonewall pen. How did you think How did you think the referee ref the game last night, Lee Doughty, overall? Well, in, in fairness to him, he levelled it up because the one with De Silva uh, later on in the first half, that was a penalty as well because De Silva got nowhere near the ball. And yeah. basically led in front of the bloke, so he fell over him. So yeah. and I don't think he did it. I don't think he did it deliberately, but he still stopped him getting onto the ball and um after some poor defending. Um and and that if he'd I think if he'd have given one, he'd have given the other. Um so in, in a, a strange way, and I don't like saying these things even themselves out over a season because they got a habit of not doing that, but yeah, I mean, on the night, that evened itself out. I think they should have had a pen and we should have had a pen. Yeah, so classic case of that. I mean, we started well. Tom, and well, both of you have uh, alluded to uh, Tanner putting in that neat little cross that uh, Bell, he was really annoyed with himself at the, at the post where he just clipped it over. But on the half hour, we had a really uh, good chance. I mean, Scott uh, forced a corner. I think it was a Sykes header. Uh, sorry, it was from a corner. It was a Sykes header. Then another corner. Um, Pring he advanced well. Um, it was it was a good save by the keeper, wasn't it? Before it fell to uh, Andy King, Tom. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Cameron Pring's would come on this year. Um, I think uh, of most of our players this year, he's been one of the best in my eyes um, and most improved. Uh, I think after the Man City game, I saw a few tweets that a few clubs were interested in. I think it's a bit too early for Pring to be moving mm. on, but um, I think him. Uh, and Scott, for me, have been two of our best best performers this season. And Pring's pretty reliable, probably one of the first on the team sheet at the moment. Yeah. And I guess Viner as well, although he's been a bit sloppy the last uh, 
couple of games, yeah? Yeah, but it's just a slight dip. He's been really He's good. He's been very good. And offside or not, when the ball dropped to uh, King, he was annoyed that he didn't tuck that away. It would have been... It would, <laughs> the fact that it was offside, although not given, you know, it saved his blushes there, didn't you think? Well, it was, Dave, it was, yeah. it was given. On, it was it given. It was given, was it? All right. But according to... Well, this is according to Gary Hours, who, 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 told, who, who said that to me last night. And he was actually so, there. He was actually there. He so he has the benefit of... Well, you know what it's like. Than we've got. Well, when you're at the game and you're you're looking across the pitch from the dolmen or from the Lansdowne, you can see the formation better. You can see if the linesman sticks a flag up. But unfortunately, some of the camera work at these games is so poor. I mean, I I just I get so frustrated. At the game's going on and you're watching a picture of Nigel Pearson walking up and down the dugout with his hands in his pockets. What's that about? Yeah. You know, just show the damn game. I, I get infuriated yeah. with it. I've got to be completely honest. And those guys from Robin's TV, they should go on the team coach and they should go to the game. Simple as that. Well, I don't think they allow them on the team coach like they used to back in the day, you know. I mean, I, well, they're, I club, they're, club, they're club employees, Dave. They're not Radio Bristol or whatever. That's they true. should go up, go up yeah. with the team. No, Bottom you're right. Is, no, Mills has just said get rid of them. <laughs> Mills has said get rid of Downsy on there. That's a bit harsh, isn't it? Yeah, but uh, more of that uh, later. Bear Boys just said Viner seems to have been not as good since Atkinson has been out. Yeah, I think you're probably right there. And uh, the two games that he did play alongside Callas, you just wonder whether, you know, he felt subservient to what is, after all, a Czech international. And we talk about him in a little bit as well. Into the second, I mean, look, the first half, if we'd have gone in 2 0 up, that would have been a fair reflection of our play. It wasn't too bad. And yes, we're all guilty of knee-jerk reaction. Uh, and, you know, not just us here on FPC Podcast. In fact, I don't think we have been. I think we've been quite moderate, as Ian has been on Twitter, despite people that talk uh, in an adverse way about his uh, comments. But a 2-0 scoreline at halftime would have been a fair reflection that it wasn't, c'est la vie. We go into the second half. Um the first chance that uh, we we had was on uh, 55 minutes, uh, Tom. Sykes, he, he's having a decent season for a player that was playing, was it League One last season with Oxford, wasn't it, yeah? yeah. He cut in, he went from right to left. It was a weak left foot shot, wasn't it? You play as a striker. Do you think he had no options or would you have expected more as an end product there? Yeah, it's easy to look once you've watched afterwards in hindsight to say what he should or shouldn't have done. Um, but I think he's been one of our better players this year. Um, so especially when we signed him, I didn't expect a lot from Sykes. He's a bit like a cornic signing for me. I didn't expect a lot, but he's actually been uh, quite well and kept Vyman out of the team at times. Um, Holiday Vyman stats this year are great. So Sykes are a lot better. If you actually watch Sykes, he does bring a lot to the team. I think brings more than Vyman. Oh, mustn't say that. Mustn't um, criticize Vyman because he had 22 goals and 10 assists last season. Sorry, <laughs> but um, no, I, I, it's, it's easy to watch back and see what he should and shouldn't have done. Um, uh, I just think as a, as a team overall, if you watched the game, uh, we just we, we looked a bit. I don't know if it's mentally fatigued. I feel like after the Man City game, we just, we've just looked a bit off the pace as, yeah. as a collective. No, I think that I think that's a fair comment. Uh, Ian, they started to uh, get back into it 
Um, and I see they got Waghorn up front for them. He's the sort of big lump that, you know, some people say that we're lacking. And on the, uh, I think, 66 minutes, Waghorn set up Radoni and the first of their, I call them half, no, they weren't half chances. They should have put a couple away. Corona. We, we sort of let them get back into it, really, didn't we? You know, and we were tiring, yeah? Well, I think Warnock took a look at us in the front in the first half and thought, we can beat this lot. So we had attacking options on the bench. I wouldn't want Waghorn anywhere near our club, but we do need a number nine. Um, yeah. And I, I prefer not to go for the what I call the lump stroke head on a stick. I, I've, I've said over the past, well, I said all season, that we need a nine, but it would need to be, if you like, the League One version of Goikeres. Um that we need that that we should bring in because we need someone who can hold the ball up and, and in the same way that a player like I don't know Kane does for Tottenham that thing where he drops in deep picks the ball up and the runners go past him or he'll get up and flick the ball and, and if he can score a few goals great but that's the, that's the forward we're lacking we've got lots of clever uh, smaller guys who would be good next to that bloke in a two so Sam Bell Tommy Conway. Naki Wells, even Andy Vyman, could all play next to that number nine. Now, it's no coincidence that with two of our bigger strikers, Chris Martin and Antoine Semenyo, out with the team, Andy Vyman has had a far worse season. Now, um, I, I think he's... Um, uh, and, and I think that's the reason for it. I mean, the WSM only lasted for part of the season before, because the start of the season, Semenya was injured again, um, and, and then Martin lost form. And, it, you know, the whole thing it just went from being what was best about us to being what wasn't very good at all. I don't think Byman's a wide player. I don't like him when he plays wide. Um, the best thing he did last night was headed that ball off the line, otherwise we'd have lost. Um, and if, for example, if, if James is injured, as Pearson alluded to, he said he picked up an injury and we'll have to see how that goes. I mean, I know what he'll do. He'll play, he'll drop Scott back and bring Vyman in at 10. But if, if Vyman's playing behind one striker, not two, I can't see him being effective. I, I hope he is because we need somebody who can stick the ball in the net. But I don't think that'll work. It's not what I'd do, but I, I would predict that's what Nigel Pearson would do. Yeah, well, we'll see, we'll see. I mean, Tom, were you surprised? They brought um, the Meti on uh, with, well, allowing time added on as well, a good half hour. Uh, his only flash of brilliance, uh, if that's the right word to use, last night was on the 78th minute when he put in that flat cross. He's got a good way of crossing and their bloke almost headed an own goal, didn't he? Which was yeah, a fine save see. by the keeper. But we need to give him more of the ball, don't we? And I thought the last couple of games, he's run down a few blind alleys, you know, he just seems as though he's been stunted a bit after that early promise. Um, I've seen a few fans be a bit, after the Cardiff game, we're a bit harsh on with Messi. He's, I think, how many games has he played now? This is his fourth game. Fourth, yeah. um, I mean, his fourth game in a new in a new league, a step up for him. And he's, I think, from what he's shown, I think at the beginning of the next season, uh, he'll really show his promise. But from what I've seen, 
just even the glimpses when he came on that little cross, he's a bit like a Larson, but a much better version, in my opinion. He's he's our threat. He's our bit of something a bit different. Magic um, dust. We, yeah, we yeah. don't we don't have anybody else like him. And just in the two starts he's had, he's had uh, two man matches. And when he's come on, he he, he does give us that little bit extra. And I think Ian's saying about having a maybe more of a number nine, he could put it on his head time and time again. But then with a fully fit front three, um, I think we've got goals in our team. It's just if we score one or two last night, we'll carry on. It's just, yeah, I, I don't think Mametti is, he's not going to start every single game. You need to bench him, give him a bit of a rest now and again. Uh, but the little glimpses that I've seen from him, I think he's really, really promising. Yeah. And do you think somebody said, I think it was might have been Richard Forrester in the, in Bristol Live or somewhere, that the manager is persisting with Sam Bell because he wants to see whether he is up to championship standard over a sustained period, which if he gets, let's say Sam Bell has another little goal-scoring flourish between now and the end of the season, and still 11 games to go, I think, which is a quarter of the season in some respects, you know, he, he might not need to go into the market for another striker in the summer. Yeah, what do you think of Sam Bell? As he proved those critics that said he looked like a little boy lost wrong, in your view. Um, well, just picking up where you said he's persisting with him, I don't, I don't think he's persisting. I don't think he has a choice. The squad size is sort of dictating who plays at the moment. It's not like he has a, a wealth on the bench to, to bring on. I know we've got we've brought in Cornick, but uh, I'm not, I think Sam has a very different player to, uh, to Cornick. But uh, is he... I'm not sure. He's he started off very well. He's to take take his goals very very well. And in the few games he did play, and he has gone off. But he, he is young. He's not going to be at it. He's not going to be ten for ten every game. So we do need to give him a bit more time. Yeah. Um, I think judging by the end of the season. So yeah, a few more goals. And I mean, do, do do you concur with that view, Ian? That that Sam Bell, you know, the the manager's giving him a fair run in the side. Yeah. And, you know, OK, he's not scored for a few now. Well, the whole team hasn't scored for a few. But uh, do you think it's right to persist with uh, with with Sam? If you play him down the middle in a two, yeah. If you're going to play him left wing, no. Fair enough. No, I agree with that. And the the the, the Cor Harry Cornick, you know, um, I'm beginning to think we've signed Harry Connick, the singer, yeah, because I haven't seen a footballer there that makes me wonder why we went out and signed him he was allegedly on our target list for the summer. He's not that number nine. I don't know how to define him yet. What are your thoughts, Ian? And we're not being critical. We're just asking the question. Well, I, th I think a lot of people are asking the question. It's not just us. Um, I can't see what he is. Uh, I don't think he's... I, I, let, let's talk about the positives. I think he's got a decent first touch. I think his game awareness is quite good. He can see a pass, but I think he lacks a lot of strength. Um, it, so he's not a back-to-goal nine. He's not the guy that's going to link the play. Once again, he's another one. If you look when he played at Luton, if he played up front, he played in a two next to a big bloke. And and that's, a, that's just a completely different position. So if you will, he's Bob Taylor to Robbie Turner where Robbie Turner was the bloke who smashed people to pieces, held the ball up, got some goals, really good in the air in both penalty areas. And all of our strikers are Bob Taylor 
or a version of, not as good, but a version of, right? And for those that don't remember as far back as Robbie, sorry to interrupt, but, you know, Robbie Turner, we all remember him, that's 30 years ago now, but perhaps more recently, an on-form, and he mean, he had his best season ever with us, an on-form Aaron Wilbraham in this side, do you think he'd be effective, what we need, if he was... uh, why yeah, the clock back years, for those that remember what sort of player Wilburham was? Well, he, he'd be, yes, he would, because A, he's a leader, B, he's a big, strong bloke that was good in both penalty areas. And um, can anybody that's making that noise mute their mic? No, it's not. I, it's, it's, it's Eddie the dog. He, Eddie's here in the background, and he's. Uh, shoot the, well, you have to shoot the ball. In fact, shut, he's got it stuck under the radiator at the far end of the office. Tom's going to go down the other end of the office and get the ball for Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> you've, got to, you've got to lock him out, Tom. Um, yeah, anyway, um, I, I think... Uh, I, I can't see these quick well, enough. Yeah, yeah um, well, going back to Cornick, I don't think he's quick enough to be a wide player. I don't think he's strong enough to play up front as a one, and neither is Sam Bell, and neither is Naki Wells. So we haven't got that player, which is why I'm saying play two, then they can play one-twos. We can we need people who can play through balls, and that's what I want Scott to do. If you're in that advanced position, the number of times he takes too many touches and doesn't get his head up in pass, then coming Who's back this? to what you were saying, Scott. Scott. And if you're yeah. looking at a, a guy that's allegedly worth 25 million, now... The, the information I've had is, yes, there are clubs that make inquiries. Uh, yes, there are scouts watching him. Yes, um, they, they'll be putting in bids in the summer. But no, they won't be 25 million. They'll be more like 12 with possibly three to five million quid worth of adults. Yeah. Now, yeah. now, you can take that with a pinch of salt. I've heard it from two decent sources. Um, who, who've given correct information in the past about signings and whatever, but somebody could change their mind. They could, they, uh, uh, a club could be open to a target from abroad because uh, that person might be cheaper. There's a million things you know that could happen, um, but I, I just, I don't see at the moment he's not delivering. You know, if we signed a midfield player tomorrow. For say a guy of 23, 24, and we paid 25 million, you'd expect more than Scotty's actually delivering. And well, as I say, said to Tom a few minutes ago, as I said to Tom a few moments ago, uh, Ian, you'd expect in a game like this, he would stand out. And he does show it in flashes, but then so did, so did Mimetti against Hull with that little jink down the side. And Scott, he does three or four things in a game that catch the eye, but he's not. For me, he's not imposing himself on teams. You know, if he's playing up against a top-flight side like a Sheffield United or a Burnley, you'd say, well, you know, they're tough to beat anyway. But against a team like Huddersfield that were inept, right, we should be saying Scott's showing why he's worth that. Let me come back to Tom on strikers. Tom, we were chatting in the office the other day about Cornick, and, you know, and we were just saying, look at Brentford, you know, how well they're doing. I know couple of Brentford fans and they're loving it they haven't lost in the league I think since October and Tom said to me that you know you look at Mimetti and he's a player that Brentford would sign and Cornick 
Probably not. I mean, you know, Mimetti, you look at him and he's got potential. But what do you think of Cornick so far, Tom? People are on here saying, oh, he needs a good pre-season. He's clearly not match fit. He's in the bloody Luton squad before he came here. I know he wasn't playing, but that's a weak excuse, isn't it? Yeah. I'm... Well, he played on Dave. He played, he played the week before. We, we signed yeah. him. He played in the FA Cup game. No, but he hadn't, been, he hadn't been a regular. Sorry, Tom. Go on. Yeah. Um, uh, it was an odd signing for me because it doesn't fit into to the style we play. He doesn't, in a front three, I don't see him being ahead of Conway, Wells. Um, I just, I don't know where, why we signed him. I think like Ian said, maybe he might work off better off a big man next to him, but that isn't the way we play. We're more um, quick pressing. Uh, I've, I've, for me to judge him so soon, I haven't seen enough of him, but from what I have seen, it hasn't been good enough. Um, I don't see where he fits in in the no. future or for next season. I think maybe if he has a has a good preseason, maybe then judge him. But, but how old is he? Is he tw how old is he in Cornet? Twenty eight, twenty seven, twenty seven. We're not very good with ages here, so we apologise for that. You know, I'll, is Pearson going to make him a better player? Now you could argue that when he signed Jamie Vardy all those years ago, he was. Bang average in the lower leagues, and look where he ended up. Yeah, but, I don't think. No, 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 no. I was just saying about no, track yeah, record yeah. of play. But if you look at the strikers, right? And if you look at the, the numbers, these are all, all these players are here next season, right? Sykes, Vyman, Wells, Cornick, Conway, Bell, and Mametti. They're all here as one, two, three, four, five, six, seven strikers or seven i'll call them offensive players and again we've got quantity but ian have we got the right mix and if we go out in the summer and sign one striker that means eight playing for two well one two or three positions yeah and i'm ignoring that, that arguably that you know sykes drops back in the midfield being a midfielder as such and Vyman drops back into midfield and he doesn't do much full stop. What do you think, Ian? Have we got too many and none of them fit the mould? Well, we haven't got a centre Of the big man? Yeah, well, we haven't, yeah. We haven't got a centre forward, which is what I've been saying for ages. Um, and, and if you're going to play with small guys up front, you've got to play through balls and let get them in behind. If you get a chance, watch particularly the first half against Birmingham. And what you need is... If the other team plays a nice high line and possibly tries to press us and we can press through them, we've got the pace up front to do sides. Just quickly on the Mete, my advice to him um, and to coaches is use your left foot, Anis, because he's going to get very predictable if he plays on the left and he keeps cutting in on his right all the time. Fair enough. Yeah. Do it 50% of the time, but keep the guy guessing. A few little step overs, get on your left foot, whip the ball in the middle early and learn. Yeah, like he did, like he like he did against Tull, if I recall, when he did that little uh, double shuffle right on the left-hand touchline. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, but, we just we, but that's why I'm saying play two strikers. Now, if somebody else can say, ah, no, we can play one and we'll score loads of goals, all they need to do is explain to me how. That's all I, all I want. That's all I'm asking. I'm not saying I'm right and everybody else is wrong or I'm right and Pearson's wrong. I'm just saying explain how we're going to get more goals when we haven't, for example, last night against the bottom team. Yeah. So, for me, um, I don't think we need more strikers. I think when Conway comes back, he brings more goals. 
we've got Wells who will deliver. Mometi will start scoring. Um, and we've got, we have good, good options, in my opinion, up front. I think where we're lacking goals is from midfield. Yeah. Um, Scott, I think, has one. Um, uh, King, or, um, James, Willie, I think Williams might have two. I think, uh, I know people like to quote people on this. I'm not convinced if I'm exactly right, but we don't have enough goals coming from midfield. And we're relying too much on. I know we have a few from defence. I think Atkinson's, I said earlier, has four. Um, we don't have enough goals coming from the rest of our team. Uh, so, in my opinion, I think I don't think we need to go out and splash out strikers. We have got very good strikers, but we just need a bit more goals. Say if the goals are drying up a little bit, we need them from other sources. We don't have enough goals from the rest of the team. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, Ian, you've been saying that for a very long time uh, now, haven't you? That, um, you know, midfield is bereft of uh, goal-scoring uh, capability, isn't it? Yeah? It is. And um, James, I don't, James hasn't scored at all. Uh, Scotty's got one and Joe Williams has got two. And one of those hit him and went in. And the other one was a toe-end from about three yards. All right. You, you've got to be there to score them. So I'm not knocking him, but none of them can really shoot from outside the box that, you know, on a regular basis. I mean, Joe Williams shooting is awful. Um, so I, I, I think we need, we need to be more clinical. And that's why I keep coming back to this. If you're going to play with a one, he needs to be able to hold the ball up and play people in. And I don't think that's Tommy Conway. I think Tommy Conway is another one who'd benefit from playing off that guy. Yeah. Although, if you're going to play football all the time and you're not going to lump it forward unless it's a desperate clearance, then then yeah. But when a side comes to Blackpool, come to Ashtongate, I'm thinking McCarthy is going to go four-two-three-one like he did against Burnley at home. He's going to, and which is we we all know is four-five-one when you're defending. And he's going to go for a low block because he's seen in the last two games that sides, when they put in a low block, we struggle to play through them. And we need sides coming on to us to be more effective with the, with the team that we've got. We just do. So in, in, unless we're going to change, you know, if you like, play a striker, and instead of going for a trying to win 1-0, try and win 4-2 or 3-1. Something like that. More expansive, like we would do. Well, you said a la Birmingham and West Brom, but a la like yes. we did in the first eight games of the season when it was attractive to watch. You know, we were a really attractive team to watch. Yeah. Okay, um, we talked a little bit about Blackpool. They had a princely total of twenty-two percent possession against uh, um, who was it at the weekend? Burnley, and they got a creditable draw. Is another old stalwart manager, Mick McCarthy, uh, that we come up against. You know, it's a game we would expect to win before two more away games before the international break, which is Luton away and Swansea away. Tom, we really need to get something against uh, Blackpool on Saturday to stop this becoming a little bit of a mini, de a mini depression, I'll call it, not a decline, because Luton away next Tuesday is not going to be easy. And then Swansea the following Sunday, you know, that they're, well, they're a bit inconsistent. But, you know, it's got to be three points on Saturday to, to hit the magic. Uh, that would put us on the magic 50, wouldn't it? Yeah, um, I mean... It'd put like, us on 48. Put us on 48, would it? Oh, well, still short. There we go. Thank our, you. Our uh, playoff hopes are all but gone. 
Yeah, if they however, were ever there. <laughs> how, however, uh, you, you never know in the championship. It's completely up and down. So a win and a few teams around you lose. Really good few wins after that. You never know. However, I think just, I think we, what we want to do is, is finish strong, finish in the top half of the table and set us in good stead for, for next season. Because I know a few fans to say, oh, if we finish 14th is, is an improvement. Uh, but I'd like to finish finish as high as we can and then go again next season, have a good pre-season, start well, have, finish in a bit of form, not just sort of peter off and finish 15th. But, yeah. Well, if we got, let's say we got the Conservative one and a half points per game over the next 11 games. That's another 17 points. That puts us on 64. And that's as many as we've had for many a year at this level. And that would be success. But Ian, all those people that have been saying this year, oh, we'd have been happy with 14th or 15th from the start. I think we're going to finish about 12th, right? Assuming we do that, yeah? What does success look like next season for you, Ian? That, And even those people that, their expectations have been managed right down. But if we finish 12th, what looks like success next season for you? Is it the playoffs or or is it, oh, I'm going to be realistic and say, well, if we can get to 10th, that's not quite the playoffs or 9th, but at least we're heading in the right direction. What do you say? Well, I think the right direction is a, is a, a reasonable point, but I'd start every single season um, looking at it like this. A five out of ten season is staying in the division. It's not an achievement to stand still, and and I can't, unlike many people, I can't embrace mediocrity. Um, I, I I've not been able to embrace it in my personal life, and I can't embrace. I've not embraced it in my business life, and I can't embrace mediocrity and think it's success. Six out of ten is a season where you're a couple of places higher. So let's say we finish 14th um, and the following season we finish 12th. I'd call that a 6 out of 10. Um, I think a 7 out of 10 is you finish in the top 10. Uh, an 8 out of 10 is you make the playoffs. And um, a, a 9 out of 10 is if you win you the playoffs. The playoff final, yeah, yeah. So what, do you, what, what? Where would you see well, us successful? Yeah. What? What? Where would? Where would you think would be a successful season for next year? Would you say being in the top ten, or would you say? Um, I, I think. Well, I, I think if we got in the top ten, I think that'd be a seven out of ten season. So it wouldn't be a bad season; would be a great season. Uh, eight out of ten, you're you're uh, you're in the playoffs, and if you go up through the playoffs, I'd call that nine out of ten. And if you go it's up, 10 out of 10. Yeah. <coughs> it doesn't matter how it's you get there, it's 10 out of 10. No, no wait a minute. Let me develop it and finish. Don't, it, if you go up automatically, that means you finished in the top two. So that's 10 right. out of 10. Yeah. Right? So 9 out of 10, you go up through the playoffs, and, and that would be fantastic. In some ways, it's better because, you know, you get the money of the playoff final. And unless you do a deal before it, the, the loser pockets all the money because you're going up to the Premier League, which is – a lot of teams do these days, and I, I've got no problem with that. But I think that's what you've got to remember. We're going to be allegedly. Well, Tinian said we've we've got three targets, probably four if Scotty goes, and I I still think that's a big if. I don't think it's nailed on, um, and three isn't enough. 
because as Tom said earlier on, the squad is too small. And it's too small because we keep getting long-term injuries. And we've always got between four and six players out injured. And they're not, oh, he's, he's got a bang on his foot, he'll be back next week injuries. They're, he's done his ACL and we'll see him next year injuries. Um, so we've had rotten luck with some of them. I mean, a point to Eamon, you know, d- doing his ACL, coming back, everything's looking good. Damn thing goes again. <laughs> you know, that just rotten bad luck. And it, and it was an innocuous injury. He didn't do it with anyone next to him or in a tackle. It, it, it just went. So, but you, you look at the innocuous stuff, Rob Atkinson, when he went over at Sunderland, I didn't think for a minute, I thought he'd be straight back up in playing. Yeah. And then he's, he's on a stretcher and he's done his ACL. Um, and we have too many long-term injuries. Now we've got six out at the moment and there's six vital players. And I think you'd be fair to say at least four would be would have been in last night's start in 11. So Atkinson, Naismith, Callas and Williams would have all been in that start in 11. Yeah, no, you're so right. I'd agree with that. It, And Conway. The 28. And how I work that out is it's two players for every position, and then you've got six other players um, and, and they, who can come in. But they have to be of a standard. They can't just be a body. Um, they've got to be a player who can come in. So, for example, I think you could develop Kane Wilson, who's basically a wing-back. If you're not playing with wing-backs and Mark Sykes gets a knock, Kane Wilson can come in. If Mark Sykes loses form, I'd like to see Kane Wilson have a go there. Uh, because yeah. one thing he can, he can do is cross the ball. I don't well, think he's an ideal right back in place of George Tanner, but that's you know, that's how I see it. So you've got well, you to could have... play him in front of George Tanner, Ian, couldn't you? You could play him in front and you could give him if he's if he's fit enough to be on the bench, which he has been of late, he's fit enough to maybe get 20 minutes. And I'm even thinking against Blackpool on Saturday because you know, we we didn't see the real Kane Wilson, I don't think, in those early season cameo appearances. But given 20 minutes in front of George Tanner on Saturday yeah. against Blackpool, that would be a good chance to see what he's like, wouldn't it? it well, it would. And that, that's the position I see him filling in our current setup. Now, if, if we go back to playing wing-backs, which I, I don't think Pearson will, but let's say he, he thought, well purely because we haven't got enough central defenders. But if Pearson went back to, to play in wing-backs, then, you know, he, he, he's, he's a better, potentially a better wing-back than George Tanner or Mark Sykes yeah. even. But I think the setup we got at the moment is getting the best out with Tanner and Sykes. So if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. And, and I, I think, you know, that's a role that he could come into and he'd be, he'd be quite comfortable in. But, that, hey, that's just a thought. But that, know, Tom, we talked, Ian just said, as Tin said, three players, possibly four if Scott goes. But I would have thought with the amount of money, if he says three before Scott goes, then that's three players at, I don't know, let's say 1.5 million max. That's the maximum that Pearson has spent when he bought Atkinson and he spent allegedly about a mil getting Mimetic. But surely if you sell Scott, you know, he might have three targets identified, but instead of it being three players at 1.1 million, it's three players at 2 million and a replacement for Scott at 
two and a half million, it's a different it's a different ball game if Scott goes, doesn't it? Because you could remodel totally remodel the midfield if Scott goes, and then maybe there's talk that one club, if Newcastle went, they could loan him back for a season. But what what do you think? Um, I think if, we, if, we, if it's probably definitely going to happen, but when Scott goes, what we need to do is do it early. So we've got mm-hmm. enough time to bring in whoever we're going to bring in, uh, get them in for a good pre-season, get them playing together. Uh, we need. I would like to, if we are to bring a midfielder in, a goal-scoring midfielder, yeah. slightly bit more attacking, uh, plays a little bit further up the pitch. But if we're going to do it, we need to do our business early. Like when we got promoted out of League One, yeah. get everybody in. Took them all out to Botswana yeah. for the pre-season, yeah. built the spirit. And yeah, everything. so you get them all in together. You've got to do business really early, give them a good pre-season together, get them bonding, gelling. So when we hit the first game of the season, we know exactly what formation we're going to play, yeah. who's going to probably be the first 11 yeah. uh, and how we're going to play. We don't want to be bringing, we don't want to, we don't want to drag on for, for ages and ages and ages. Scott goes last, last minute. And then we're scrambling for... And we've already played by the end of August, probably four or five, well, four games plus a cup game yeah, or so two anyway. I think we've, we've all come to the conclusion Scott's definitely getting. Um, so we've all, we've all come to that. But what I think what a team, a team fans would be happy with is if we do sell and get good good money, reinvest at least half of it. That's why I was saying that in, sort of number. Yeah, yeah. In, into, I think, midfield. I don't think we need a striker. Mm. Um, I think we're doing all right in there. And then... Just get them in early, do the business early, get get a good preseason for say one or two of the players that we bring in, so and they know how we play the system, how Pearson wants them to to either press or hold, and get. Just, I think that's the main point for me is just do business early, get them in, and then go from there. And then I think the past few seasons we've done it all a little bit. It's all been well. It's been better. I mean, we had a good window this year, but I think I think the thing as well, you say getting them in early. You know those players. They'll know that we've got more money in our pockets now, so I'm sure they'll be trying to squeeze a few extra hundred thousand out. Just to finish with you, Tom, and then I'll ask Ian the same question. Jada Silva last night, I thought he played like we've seen Jada Silva most of the time. He was just going through the motions a little bit. He's out of contract this summer. Would you offer him anything in reduced terms, or do you think you know we probably see the last of Jada Silva come the first week of May? Uh, I, 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 for me, I, I don't think he brings enough. He's a bit too passive in the game. He's a bit, a bit soft. Seems to be watching, watching the ball. If you watch him in terms of, I'm comparing him like like Cam Pring. Pring just brings a lot more, a lot more drive, a lot more aggression in his tackles. Uh, if the ball's going to the back post, Pring, you've got a bit more confidence. If it's to Silver, no confidence. <laughs> no, I, I, I prefer to to get it, get it, put cameras. Uh, First choice left back yeah. and bring someone in who's he's behind pre. Yeah, I just I think we get so Jay's on his bike and then me, yeah. And we talked about uh, Callas, uh, who looked exceptionally good in the few games that he's played. I know you've we've often talked about Callas over the years that he's been here and we've been working together. That Callas, you think he you know, he dives in for a lot of tackles and flies in, but. You know, my manager said last night he's going to be around for. It, it, I assume he could be out for six weeks, or assume it might be a bit short. You know what yeah. assuming to make an ass of you and me. Uh, it might give him two more games between now and the end of the season. But an injury-prone Callas on half money is still going to be probably the equivalent of two players in a post-COVID transfer wage scenario. So. 
Callas, what would you be doing now? Because he's got to miss six and seven or eight in the last ten games. I mean, if he was to play like the two games when he came back, he played like that every week. He's a not, isn't it, brainer? Yeah. But a lot of players for City over the years have been mediocre. Played very, very well when the contract agreements coming up. Sign the contract, and then we get back to not seeing Callas as a mediocre player. No. Um, but maybe just not as quite as good as just before they signed the contract. Um, Callas for me looks better against better opposition. I mean, it sounds. Oh, he plays international football. Yeah, when, when he's playing at a higher level and the ball's played in front of him, he looks a lot better. But when we're playing teams that are a bit more direct and he goes over his head, he, he's sometimes on the spin and he sort of loses his positioning. Mm. Um, so it's a, it's a tricky one, Callas, because I think if he's playing at a higher level, he'd look better. Yeah, a bit like a bit like you were saying with Scott, alongside better players, he's yeah, he's got to hold his own, which he did against Man City. He didn't look out of place technically; he looked on their level. Ian, same question to you, Jay De Silva. Chris is always Chris Honor when he's been on more than once. He said Jay always looks like he's got he could give a little bit more. I thought it was one of those type of performances from him last night, and the the situation uh, with with Callas. You know, what's your view on that? I think Jay was okay last night, and I, I think he's he's a left back, not a left wing back, and he doesn't offer anything like what Campring does in the final third. And I've, I've thought that since he's been at the club and uh, what he did last season. I think his first touch is as good as any player at the club. Um, he's a reasonable passer of the ball. He, he struggles to cross it and create, and he doesn't get many goals or assists for that reason. Um, I think he'd be gone. He was going to be gone in in, um, in January, January yeah, if yeah. if we if we'd have been able to sign Curry. So it'd be got up to Coventry with his his big mate Casey Palmer. Good luck to him. Um, in terms of Callas, as someone's pointed out on here, is he moving into Nathan Baker territory, where every time you see him jump for a ball, you're thinking, oh no, don't. Um, I I said to you, is is jumping. Someone needed to work with him a while ago because he, he he has got this terrible habit of jumping early, and then Wickham went in, made quite a deliberate back, and just flipped him, and that's exactly what I've seen Callas do a number of times. He's very brave uh, and fitting on form. He's one hundred percent the best defender at the club beyond a shadow of doubt. But that's no good if he's. I mean, he's missed. What eleven out the last twelve months? Yes, with him. Yeah. Um, so on... his last game last year was on March the sixth. Yeah. So it's rather ironic that he went out almost a year to the day. He's out for another ten games, having missed sort of right. I think he came back in what middle of Feb. Just played those two games. So yeah, for you, Ian, yeah. it, it's not even offering well, it, him half terms. Yeah. You you well, you better invest the money elsewhere. Well, I think you'd be better. You'd have to be really, really sure that he wasn't going to be. Um, it wasn't going to be another Nathan Baker, and, I, and I'd want reassuring. If I was, if I was Steve Lansdowne or the CEO, I would want to be assured um, that that that's not going to be the situation. And, and I don't think anybody would be able to give you that assurance and as you, no, you said we could, we could bring in two players 
uh, from what he'd be costing us on half his wages. They'd be League One players. And on that point, can I just say, if we bring in players, I hope they're from League One and not from League Two, because bringing in players from League Two, it seems to take them a season to get physically fit and they get injured. And the two, two examples I give you are, or players that haven't played for a while, like Andy King. So first season in Andy King's done his hamstring twice, missed most of the season. George Tanner's done his hamstring twice, missed most of the season. Kane Wilson's come in, done his knee, wasn't getting in the team anyway, um, and and he's missed the majority of this season for one reason yeah. or another. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'd be very, very mindful about signing anybody from League Two. League One seems to be a, a, a little bit of a different kettle of fish, although Rob Atkinson, let's be honest, has had major illness and injury problems. Yeah, yeah, and it's a shame that he's out, as we say, for six months, not six weeks. I think Tembury Robin on the text feed here sums it up, says, I hate to say it, there isn't any value in keeping callous. I hate to say it. And I think, sadly, they're right because there can be no guarantees that he's going to maintain that fitness. And you, if you offer him half wages, that's still going to put him at the top based on the little knowledge that I have, which is zero. But I perceive that it would place him at the top of the wage structure under this new post-COVID regime. Uh, Ian, Tom, I think we're uh, done for today. We'll be back on... Uh, Saturday, uh, we'll probably record the Blackpool game tea time, uh, reviews of the Blackpool game tea time on Saturday. But uh, thanks to those that have uh, broken off from work or uh, listening while they're uh, at work, uh, listening to us this morning. But uh, thanks to everybody, Ian and Tom, for your contribution on the podcast. And thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back soon. All the best. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Blow them all away. What if I've been unlucky? Really, I ain't got a thing. There's a time I always feel happy, as happy as a king. When the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, along. There'll be no more sobbing when he starts throbbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Get up, get up, get out of bed. Cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red. Live, love, laugh and be happy. What if I've been blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers. Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. When Richard Robbins are bubba-bubbing along. Red, red robin come bob, bob, bobbing along, along. There'll be no more sobbing when he starts robbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Get up, get up, get out of bed. Cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red. Live, love, laugh and be happy. What if I've been blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers. Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. When the red, red robin starts bobbing along.